perhaps the most iconic music subculture to date. The subculture was formed in the United Kingdom in the early 80s by fans of gothic rock, an offshoot of post-punk. While some subcultures die out within a few years, goth has not only survived, but flourished. Today we'll first be focusing on the subculture as it was in the 80s, and the next episode will cover the style's evolution into the 1990s. Goth is popular globally, with many cultures adapting the subculture, such as Gothic Lolita rising to prominence in Japan. Goth music can describe many genres, such as New Wave, Gothic Rock, Post-Punk, and Dark Wave. Many goths, especially now, also listen to heavier music, such as industrial metal or black metal, but those genres are not specifically attributed to goth. Goth music's lyrical content and overall tone is gloomy, atmospheric, and even haunting. Lyrical themes include romanticism, morbidity, existentialism, religious symbolism, and supernatural mysticism. Goth fashion is most associated with the color black. Many associate anything all black with being goth, but truth be told, the style is a lot higher maintenance than wearing a black hoodie. Goth hair is often dyed and traditionally styled by teasing and then hairspraying it in place. Accessories often elevate a goth outfit, such as statement earrings, multiple layered necklaces, corsets, belts, and chains. Many goths handmake or modify their jewelry. Some goths wear crosses, rosaries, and onks. The most noticeable feature of goth visually is the makeup. Tread goth makeup is characterized by its typically monochrome palette, and it's quite intricate. Some goths also choose to use pure white foundation, but this has been disputed more recently as it seems to place an emphasis on paleness, and goth as a subculture is not exclusive to white people. Black or red lipstick are common. Makeup within the goth subculture is not exclusive to women, as goth in general leans very androgynous. Goths have have perhaps the most creative endeavors of any subculture. There is gothic architecture, goth movies, goth comics and books, goth zines, and clubs specifically meant for goths. This is due to the intense passion many members of the subculture have for it. Many people find community in the culture, and they remain involved in the local scene for life. Goth beliefs are generally left-leaning, considering it rose to prominence along with punk, but the subculture is not explicitly political in the way that punk is. Hatred or bigotry is obviously not accepted within the community. As I previously mentioned, goth took roots right alongside the punk movement. While punk was prominent throughout the 1970s, goth's beginnings were far less defined until the 80s. The Cure and Susie and the Banshees had both formed in the late 70s, and their respective group's second albums both helped goth music rise to prominence. Goth's origins are most attributed to Bauhaus, though. Bauhaus, with the release of Bela Lugosi's Dead, truly kicked the movement off. The single is 9 minutes and 30 six seconds, taking its time to develop an atmosphere unlike anything music had seen before. David J, the bassist of Bauhaus, described their sound as minimalistic, as honed to exclude excess, which is ironic as that's the opposite of goth. Many goth bands were inspired by this track, by its theatrical nature, and Bela Lugosi's Dead is widely credited as the harbinger of gothic rock. Now that the sound has been solidified, this up-and-coming movement needed a place to flourish. Since partying in cemeteries is generally against the rules, most goths settled for the Soho club The Bat Cave, founded in 1982 by members of Specimen. Ollie Wisdom, co-founder of The Bat Cave and Specimen's lead singer, stated that Specimen started doing a few shows here and there, and we were constantly being sh** on, so we thought we'd establish this thing, which turned out to be The Bat Cave. Despite The Bat Cave not being explicitly goth, it was more of a mishmash of many underground genres of the time. It became incredibly popular within the scene as Bauhaus and Alien Sex Fiend began to perform there. Nick Fiend, frontman of Alien Sex Fiend, became the club's unofficial mascot. If you look up a picture of him, his visuals will certainly speak for themselves. What a cute. 
Goth was springing up in places other than London, though, such as Sisters of Mercy and Skeletal Family in West Yorkshire. Andrew Eldridge, frontman and the singer for Sisters of Mercy, said, I was in a band when every other person was in a band. We didn't expect employment because half of us in bands had no skills and the other half didn't know how to apply with the skills that we had. And we reacted to the world because it weighed heavily on us. This quote demonstrates two things. Firstly, the ease in which many started bands during this time, as many acts formed because they saw their friends doing it and wanted to participate. The scene at this time was very close, and many didn't see starting a band as a big deal or a big shot at fame, but more as a pastime. It also demonstrates how many goths within the scene felt, lost, isolated, and cynical towards the state of the world. Now that we know how goth formed over time, let's discuss some associated acts and goth's intersection with popular culture. Many bands have come to be associated with the goth subculture. Some bands have goth icons within them, such as Robert Smith of The Cure or Susie Sue of Susie and the Banshees. While neither of these bands are wholly goth, they have multiple albums that heavily impacted the subculture, and their personal styles literally shaped goth fashion forever. Other bands are gothic staples for their iconic albums which defined and shaped the genre and subculture, such as Joy Division with Unknown Pleasures or Depeche Mode with Violator. There are also groups that are goth adjacent, and while not explicitly goth in terms of genre, they were listened to and popular within the subculture. The Smiths fall under this category, as many sources of the time lump them in with goth bands, but genre-wise they are not really associated. Many ideas expressed lyrically within the Smiths' discography heavily overlap with goth ideals and outlooks, so it's no wonder many goths were fans. Now, I just threw a lot of names at you, so I'd like to take a moment to delve into some of these acts a little further. Firstly, let's discuss the label goth, as while it's been attributed to all of these bands at one time or another, many of these bands at the time or even now argued against the label. While it seems a little silly looking back, considering the obvious influence bands like The Cure had on the subculture, when you view this from a creative perspective, it makes sense to reject any label. The Cure, while they've made arguably one of the most influential goth albums of all time in Disintegration, they've also made albums that have little to do with goth rock at all, such as Kiss Me, Kiss Me, Kiss Me. A label such as goth, or really any subcultural label, seemingly limits the sound a band can have, and it almost eliminates the natural evolution a band goes through as decades pass and the musicians mature and grow as artists. Or, at least, that's how many artists view it. Many artists reject the label goth and instead opt to say that they just make music that they want to. But categorically, these bands have either remained within the scope of goth music or have at least made one or multiple goth albums. Sorry to Andrew Eldritch, Robert Smith, Susie Sue, Roz Williams, Peter Murphy, and any other members of any influential post-punk bands who bristle at the mention of the term. It's pretty funny that nearly every goth band rejected the label, but there are reasons besides creative freedom that they would do so. Goth, originally, was often tossed around as a bit of an insult. It still is. Would you want your band associated with people who dressed in all black, moping around a cemetery and writing depressed, depraved poetry about the state of the world? Alright, so how do I join you? If you want to be one of the nonconformists, all you have to do is dress just like us and listen to the same music we do. Personally, that's exactly the kind of person I'd want to be associated with, but I am very much in the minority. Just for the record, all of the things I just mentioned are stereotypes and not genuinely indicative of how goths behave. But this does lead rather well into how goths are perceived by pop culture. Goths are, as viewed from a mainstream lens, antisocial, dreary, depressed, suicidal freaks who are wholly nihilistic and will grow out of this phase. Many goths are bullied in school or even in public for the ways in which they dress or express themselves. There are reported instances of goths being attacked and even killed simply on the basis of their affiliation with the subculture. 
Goths are also shamed by their parents for participating in the fashion, and in the 80s and 90s it was extremely common for goth musicians or goth teenagers to be brought on talk shows to be judged and condemned for their deviation from the norm. Fortunately, with time, some of these harsh stereotypes of the subculture have been dispelled, such as the BBC stating, Goths are refined and sensitive, keen on poetry and books, not big on drugs or antisocial behavior. Many studies, such as the one done by the University of Glasgow, found the goth subculture to be strongly nonviolent and tolerant. What about all the people who say this message communicates things that make children go out and kill themselves? Nothing or people go out and suicide. If a kid well, is disturbed me. enough to try to, try to go out and, dis and to kill themselves, that's something within them. That's a parent's responsibility to try to help their kid. Not, not a band trying, you know, we're, we're not counselors up here. We're, we're a band, we're doing arts, we're doing something we believe in. We're not, we're not responsible for, for we're not yeah, some, somebody like this is harmful to kids because he's preaching ignorance. Goth has also had a rather recent surge in popularity, in part due to the pandemic allowing many to experiment with self-expression. However, some view this resurgence into the mainstream as detrimental to the subculture. Let's get into why. Overall, many long-term members of the goth subculture are very welcoming to new goths, and I don't want to give the impression that the community is unwelcome to newcomers. What many goths are unwelcoming to is the commodification of their community. To understand what I mean by this, we must first understand TikTok and the rise of aesthetics. TikTok, and its increasing popularity in the last few years, has led to several major shifts to the internet and the ways in which people interact with it. I think a great example of this is many people's obsession with curating the perfect personal aesthetic. An aesthetic is similar to a subculture, only with less structure, less rules within it, and a less defined identity. This is not a dig at aesthetics, it can certainly be fun to create outfits around a specific vibe or to collect images that fit within your preferred aesthetic, but it is not a subculture. I bring all of this up to address the resurgence of goth fashion within the mainstream. In the past few years, many goth fashion pieces have been taken, watered down, and repackaged as something else to appeal to people who previously had no interest within the subculture, many of whom claim to have an alternative or goth aesthetic. Goth as a term has been tossed around to describe anything black, despite the term having very specific connotations and, as evidenced by this episode, a very rich history. In the name of aesthetics, a subculture is being ransacked. Many people online are more concerned with perfecting their gothic visuals, but how much do they actually know about the subculture they claim to be a part of? Let's keep in mind that this is first and foremost a music-based subculture. This sort of careful curation of the goth style is leading to many brands pandering to goths, and this is a problem due to both the fundamental DIY nature of goth fashion and the irony of a subcultural fashion, which is by definition a style that deviates from the norm being sold at high prices in normal people's stores because it trended on TikTok. Beyond Bianca Wooden, a writer, describes the emergence of this goth fad fashion and states that goth has become less of an organic movement and more of a calculated brand. Although TikTok's influence on goth has not been inherently positive, it's not wholly negative either. Many people have found goth fashion through TikTok, but have also done their research and have become goths with actual passion for the subculture. Many goth musicians now have a far easier time being discovered due to TikTok's algorithm, and social media in general has allowed many subcultures, including goth, to flourish and become a wider, more global community. While social media's effects on the goth subculture have led to some negative developments, I think a subculture that has lasted as long as goth has will continue to flourish, and I only hope that young people will continue to keep it alive. I hope this episode inspires you to read Edgar Allan Poe and listen to Disintegration by The Cure all the way through. Disintegration is the best album ever!